I saw you tweeting it. It came from your 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 Twitter fingers, as he once said. What tweet? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, last week, Drake, the, the legendary Canadian artist, dropped Scary Hours 2, little little three-pack, little three songs out on the uh, streaming services of the world. And, uh, I mean, you were capping hard body. Every chance you got, you're replying to people, you're tweeting, Drake is the goat. You're on your other <laughs> burner Twitter, responding to people, telling them that Drake is the goat, greatest of all time. Yeah, what's Speak the issue? to it. Yeah, <clears throat> well, I don't, I don't see an issue with that take at all. So I don't know what you're trying to imply by coming at me for saying Drake is the goat, because statistically, like he's the Tom Brady of rap. You know, mm. all he does is take W's, no losses, only W's from Drake, the greatest artist of our generation, 100% hands down. If we're talking about the last 15, 20 years of music. And I'm not just including hip-hop. I'm saying in any genre, he's the mm. GOAT from the last 20 years. Now, if we're taking it back to you know the 90s, 80s, 70s, obviously that take is going to be uh, looked down upon by all of the boomers that grew up with all of the big rock star guys and the bands and yeah. a lot of the solo acts that I have no idea about. <laughs> but to me... Drake is one of the best artists of all time. He's the best artist of our generation, and the stats back that up. So that's my son. Love his music. There's really nothing else to say, to be honest. Yes or no, does he have more slaps than the Beatles? 100%. That's what he said. Is that even is that even a question? I don't know. I mean, going to the stats, like you said, I was looking it up pre-show. Pretty impressive. He's got like the most charted songs on the top 100, most number one singles, most consecutive songs at the same time, yeah. most hot debuts. Like he's by far the most accomplished artist in history, period. That's just a stone cold fact. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of on board with this take to a certain extent. Like, do I think he's the best technical rapper, like the best bars I don't know if I think that, no, he's but I not. do think that his discography, he's got multiple classic albums. He's one of the most influential people. He's changed his sound several times and you see the rest of music follow suit and chase the sound that he reinvents. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm on board with your take. Man's, no is, man's is the goat. Okay. Man's six, six God Drizzy. That's mm. brah. Oh my goodness. His music is just incredible. And I just hate the people that say, Oh, I don't like Drake. I hate Drake. Like how? You're, how you're could just a you? hater? Because his music is just good music. Top three Drake albums. Top three Drake albums right now. Obviously, Take Care one. Nothing was the same two. And three, probably uh, Thank Me Later for me. Oh, you want to hear mine? Mine are wild. <laughs> Let's hear it. Number one, Nothing Was the Same. Clear cut, obvious. Number two. This is where this is the real hot take of this segment. If you're reading this, it's too late. Number two, hands down. Probably my personal favorite, but I can't put it above. Nothing was the same. And I like Scorpion for three. Nah. Pass on take care. Pass on nah. thank me later. I nah. like mid to late Drake more than more than early. Nah, that's actual cap. Scorpion is not top three. Um, Bro, where, where where's the skips? It's basically two amazing albums squished together. Yeah, it is, but there's no skips in Take Care, and it has multiple classic Drake songs off that album mm. that went number one. It's hard to argue against Take Care as not being his best and most. I mean, his biggest album. song, his biggest song is on Scorpion, God's Plan. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A big God's Plan guy. 
All I love is my bed and my mama. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 131 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be taking a look at early ADP, trying to identify some spots where there are uncertain situations, trying to stay ahead of the curve in these early drafts pre-free agency. Everything is going to start shifting next week as these free agents find their destinations. We're going to be talking about some of the best and worst landing spots for this crop of 2021 uh, free agents. And at the end of the show, we're going to check in with Joey uh, for an update on his long overdue journey through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But before we get into any of that, Joey, can you tell the good people how to support the podcast? As always, there's multiple ways you can help support the podcast. One is just by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, that's where we tweet out clips, links to our content, and everything that you might need to know to keep up with us. So make sure you follow us over there. Another way you can help support us is just by subscribing to the DFS Dose on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this episode on. And then you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel at the DFS Dose. We're doing live streams every Monday, uh, new videos out every Saturday, and then we're also posting clips uh, periodically. So make sure you are subscribed to us over there. And then lastly, you can join our Discord, which is linked down below in the description. It is free to join, and we're going to be doing some stuff in that Discord very soon. So make sure you join the Discord chat. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely check out the YouTube channel. That first stream was a lot of fun on Monday. We got Joey trying beers. We're drafting picks. That beer was trash, but... Bro, stop capping. It, it was not good. But I'm open to trying anything. We're going to keep it going. A new beer every single week on the stream Monday nights. Also, we did a video last week on Saturday going over our take on the 101 and sort of the top tier players and and how they're going to shake out in terms of ADP. So you can check that out on the YouTube channel as well. Let's get into the show, though, and we're going to be spending the whole show talking about these uncertain ADP situations. I think it's important to notice that there are really three major shifting points in ADP throughout the offseason. The first is approaching us quickly next week. It's free agency. The second is the draft when rookies hit and and we get a clearer. That's probably the biggest shift, I would say, because that's when we have a really clear picture of you know, what teams Mm -hmm. are planning to do. And then I I guess the final one is sort of the preseason slash, you know, when the casuals all get involved in August and we have a lot of news pumping out all the time. So those are going to be when ADPs move the most. There's a lot of stagnant periods in between, but like, like we basically just been talking about free agencies almost upon us. So the window to be ahead of this first initial shift is quickly closing. So let's talk about some of these players. We got a bunch of news this week on players that were franchise tagged, you know, players that weren't franchise tagged, and that gives us a pretty good idea of, uh, you know, who's actually going to be on the move. One of the more surprising uh, franchise tags that I at least thought was Allen Robinson getting tagged by the Bears. So currently he is going as sort of a back-end third-round pick. His ADP on drafters is 34.3. Underdog, same same realm. He's the wide receiver 11 on both sites. And, you know, my take on it is that Allen Robinson has never had a good quarterback, so it can't get worse. The only possibility is that the Bears improve or they stick with Trash Biscuit, and he's in the same situation he's been in. Yeah, uh, Trubisky is a free agent, right? So he 
probably will be gone. I think Nick Foles is still under contract. So yes, most likely Allen Robinson will be in the same situation. Uh, But if they can make off a surprising trade, let's say for Russell Wilson, then I think his ADP skyrockets from where it is currently. Uh, Wide receiver 11 for Allen Robinson is fine. I I think he's talented enough to be taken at that spot at 34.3 on drafters at the back end of the third like you said he's one of the more talented wide receivers in the NFL and let's say he does get Russell Wilson I mean he has top three fantasy uh, wide receiver potential so I don't mind a Rob at that spot um I'll I'll have to do more drafts to get like a, a more defined stance on it but right now he's a talented wide receiver and if you're getting him as the 11th wide receiver off the board, that's a solid value in my book. So Yeah, I don't think he's necessarily a screaming value, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is that I don't think that really any quarterback coming in could decrease his value because yeah. he's already had the worst, you know, the worst of the worst. <laughs> and he's put up consecutive, you know, over 1,100 yard seasons with Trubisky in 2019 and 2020 with the Bears. So I don't know. I don't see it going down for, for Robinson no matter what. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. It's just all about if the Bears can, you know, get an upgrade in at quarterback. Um, We'll have to wait and see on that, though. Another wide receiver that got franchise tagged, Chris Godwin. I thought that was a little bit surprising. Um, I, I was kind of expecting him to move, but it seems like he is going to be locked in with the Bucks for another season. Going as the wide receiver 17 on drafters and the wide receiver 19 on underdog, do you think that the Bucks' decision to keep him means A, that Antonio Brown is gone? And B, you know, do you have faith that Godwin is going to be able to put up another great year? Brady had 40 touchdowns last season. He's going to be 44 this year. Um, and, and, you know, both Evans and Godwin are getting drafted in the top 20 at wide receiver. Yeah. So just to answer your first question about AB, I do think Antonio Brown is gone unless he signs for another small contract, like a like a one-year, $5 million contract. Because um, I do know the Bucks have some slight concerns with the cap and they have some other guys that I think they're going to prioritize over Antonio Brown. So that will obviously help Godwin stock for this season but he finished as the wide receiver 30 last year he didn't miss four games so that obviously hurt his stock drafting him as the wide receiver 17 that's fine it's kind of like the same situation with A-Rob for me like Godwin is a talented player and wide receiver 17 is a is a fine spot to draft Chris Godwin in best ball but I don't think we see Tom Brady have another you know 40 plus touchdown season when you also include Mike Evans Gronkowski, OJ Howard is coming back, Tyler Johnson might emerge, and if they do sign AB, there's going to be a lot of competition for targets. I mean, Chris Godwin, I like him, but I'm probably staying away from him, even at this ADP. That might be a bold take, but wide receiver 17, it doesn't scream out as a value to me. I think that's the way to put it. I like Chris Godwin this year. You know, you you mentioned his end of year finish, but he was actually the wide receiver 15 in points per game, even ahead of his own teammate, Mike Evans, who I think, you know, everybody looked at as sort of consensus having a better year than Godwin being the clear standout, having the most chemistry with Brady, you know, scored the most touchdowns, but that isn't really how Godwin gets it done. I think if there's touchdown regression, which will probably be on board with that theory the closer and closer we get to August with you know Brady being almost 44 years old even with that being said you know I think that that touchdown regression hurts Evans more than Mm -hmm. it hurts Godwin personally and Godwin has been you know a phenomenal player this entire time with Winston with Brady and I think that's going to continue to be the case I'll, I'll take him in the mid fourth 
Why not? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Chris Godwin is a, is a talented player. It's the same thing with A-Rob. They're both really talented guys, and they are kind of quarterback-proof, I think. So I don't mind Chris Godwin, but like I said, I'm probably staying away from him this this year. I think there's some other wide receivers in that range that I'd rather have over Chris Godwin in better situations. Yeah, I don't think his ADP rises, whereas Robinson has some flexibility to go up if the quarterback situation improves. I don't think that Godwin rises. He, you know, is staying in place and uh, it's going to be a very steady situation with Brady there, Evans there, Godwin there. Mm-hmm. You know, even if AB goes, you know, it's going to be what Scotty Miller and, and Tyler yeah. Johnson. So yeah. no matter what, things aren't going to change too much for Godwin. I think that his price will hold for a while. Another guy whose price I'm expecting to hold is Dak Prescott. We talked about this a little bit on our stream because the news of his extension broke literally like five seconds before we went live. They franchise tagged him and extended him. I'm a little bit confused on this situation. Do you have any insight on this? Yeah, so the reason that they franchise Dak was for multiple reasons. Although a no tag clause is not yet in the contract, it's expected to be added, and this is a quote from an article. And second, it makes it difficult to um, franchise tag him again because he's already been franchise tagged twice now. So if he gets franchise tagged a third time it would entail a 44 percent increase over the cap number from the last year of his contract and then the final two years of the contract void the day before the start of the 2025 league year after the franchise tag deadline so then he can't be tagged in 2025 because his contract won't expire until it's Mm -hmm. too late to tag him so it's kind it's kind of it was just kind of added in so that he can't get tagged again when his contract is up, that's a, that's a win-win for him um, because obviously he'd make more money by not getting franchise tagged as one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL. So okay, yep, that does make some sense. I see, I see why they did that. And you know, Prescott is going as the QB five on both sites. You know, I buy that. He was on a historic pace last year. I think that being solidified with this elite Cowboys offense, no matter what, they're going to have Cooper and CD Lamb. That's a top two duo, regardless of if they end up moving Gallup. And if they keep Gallup, this is going to once again be one of the top tier wide receiver cores in the entire league. And, and Prescott showed that he could execute on a high level last year and really every year of his career. Yeah, I mean, Prescott is a candidate to be the QB1 overall, I think, as long as he has the supporting uh, pieces that the Cowboys have surrounded him with um with cd amari cooper zeke tony pollard etc so Dak, i think is a a phenomenal fantasy pick this year quarterback five with quarterback one upside it's a great situation for Dak to be in to be honest all right let's talk about some of the players that we know are on the move guys who didn't get tagged and maybe some of the situations and players that they're leaving behind and I think the big news, the the big running back, the elite running back that we pretty much know at this point is going to be out of town is Aaron Jones. You know, they mm-hmm. they didn't franchise tag him. And, you know, from what we're hearing, he's going to be highly sought after. Um, somebody's going to pay this man a lot of money. And Jones is already going pretty highly. ADP on drafters, RB13. He's the RB11, even higher on underdog going in the second round. I know that we got him or I got him in the third round of that stream that we did on, on our draft on Monday. But, um, you know, I think it's a lot more typical to see him in the second round. Do you feel good paying a second round price on Aaron Jones, say over the next seven days before we know where he goes. Yeah, I think 
a second round pick for Aaron Jones is fine. And then if you can get him in the third round, like you did in our draft that we streamed, I think that's even better. But yeah, second round pick for a player of Aaron Jones caliber, I think is fine. And especially if he goes to a favorable landing spot. And I think there are a lot of landing spots for Aaron Jones that boosts his fantasy potential rather than Green Bay. So I think the uh, the sky is the limit for Aaron Jones. He's one of the best running backs in the NFL. Let me just throw out a hypothetical landing spot. Let's say he goes to the Jets and he becomes an 85, 90% snap share player. I think taking him in the second round would be worth it. So that, that's my take on Aaron Jones, but not too sure on a on the guy that he's leaving behind. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I, I'm buying Jones right now. I think that the talent is very clearly there. We've seen it. And the biggest thing that's hindered him in the past has been the utilization in Green Bay. And whoever's going to pay him a lot of money is going to do so to give him uh, you know, a lot of work. I think that this year, wherever he goes, it's probably likely that he sets a new career high in you know attempts. His previous was 236. Now, is he going to be as amazing of a receiver? Is he going to score as many touchdowns? That remains to be seen. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. But regardless, I'm, I'm comfortable spending a second round pick on Jones. You mentioned who he's leaving behind, and it's it's a man with the body type potentially of a Derrick Henry, but some people are saying maybe he's more Jordan Howard than Derrick Henry. <laughs> AJ Dillon, what, what's your take on this guy? He's currently going as the RB27 on drafters, RB23 on underdog. Pretty big difference there. He What round is he going in? Where have you seen... AJ Dillon going in your drafts that you've done? Because I know the one that we did, he went at the end of the seventh round. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it seems pretty different draft to draft. I haven't done any new drafts since this Aaron Jones news broke on Tuesday. I would guess that he's going to settle in in the fourth round. Fourth the hype round. is unreal. The hype is unreal, especially amongst these best ball people. They they're buying AJ Dillon right now. So I mean, okay. I think you're going to be paying. If you're lucky, you can get him in the fifth. But I think if you want him, you're going to be paying a fourth round ADP uh, in, in a matter of days. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense to me. Um, I would say right now, as the RB twenty seven, he has a shot to beat that. If you can get him at the RB 27 or around that range. Without Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams is a free agent, but I think they'll probably sign him back. I think A.J. Dillon's upside is probably between RB 15 and RB 20. But like you mentioned, um, will the volume be there? Who knows? Like Aaron Jones' career uh, high in Green Bay was 236. Never went above a 62% snap share. So if we're getting a two-down grinder in A.J. Dillon, that is solely touchdown dependent and is going to play 60% of snaps, 55%, 50% of snaps. Yeah, no shot. No thank you. Mm. But I think there's solid touchdown upside in an Aaron Rodgers-led offense. And then obviously you take Aaron Jones out of the equation. There's a lot of vacant carries and vacant touches to be had in that backfield, which does give him value. I just don't know about him as a player. I think RB27 is kind of a value right now on him but if it increases to let's say rb 15 rb 14 and he's going in the fourth round then i'm staying away but yeah if you, if you can get him near rb 30 then yes i think he's he's a solid pick i agree with that take fully basically everything you said um if the packers end up retaining jamal williams who you know his adp right now is 152 so we're talking you know round 13 round 14 type vibes i would take that 
you know, in terms of value over AJ Dillon, just because we know that, you know, Jamal Williams is an accomplished pass catcher and there's going to be targets up for grabs. You know, Aaron Jones has been the second leader in targets behind Devontae Adams for Aaron Rodgers over the past, I think, I want to say three years, two years for sure. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of targets up for grabs in that Green Bay offense, and I don't expect Dylan to absorb any of that. Jamal Williams could if he returns. Yeah, I definitely agree with the Jamal Williams take. I think he is a value, especially if, you know, you can get him when he's going to play 45, 50% of snaps. Because I think the most realistic option is that they form a timeshare. But A.J. Dillon will be the goal line back. So I think that would give him a little bit more value. And like I said, he is a value right now at RB27. Just in the grand scheme of things, when it when it's all said and done over the next week or two, Jamal Williams could be one of the you know, bigger risers in the late rounds. Yep, completely agree with that. And Jones, you know, Aaron Jones, he's the clear cut, you know, top free agent running back available. But there's the second tier of guys who, you know, maybe if they land in the right spot, their ADPs could jump. But if they land in the wrong spot where they're going to be in a guaranteed timeshare, they could significantly lose value. You know, these guys, I think Chris Carson falls into that. Kenyon Drake falls into that. I would say James Conner to an extent falls into that. And of course, your boy, Lombardi Lenny, a.k.a. Uncle Len, Leonard Fournette. I think he falls into that as well. Yes. So just in terms of fantasy, I think it's going to be hard to draft any of these guys, especially not knowing where they are going to be playing. I don't know if I can take a shot on Chris Carson or or Kenyon Drake. James Conner, Lombardi, Lenny, probably staying away from those two guys, to be honest. I don't think James Conner is that great of a running back. Same with Uncle Len. I think the best running back in this tier that we have listed is Chris Carson by far. So I think he's the guy that I would take a shot on if I'm drafting any of these four guys. But Mm -hmm. in drafts, I'd rather just go with a wide receiver, to be honest. If you have to take one of these guys in in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, yeah, no, no shot. No shot over here. I'll just I'll just go with a wide receiver like in our draft, Juju, Will Fuller, Hollywood Brown, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Lockett all went where uh, Chris Carson went in the seventh round. So I'd rather have any of those guys over Chris Carson, to be honest. Yeah. And I mean, Carson in the seventh is even a bit extreme. Like his ADP puts him, you know, at the back end of the fifth. And that's a definite no for me. I mean, he's not going to land in a spot that's more favorable than, you know, being on a super run heavy team like the Seahawks are and a Mm. team that is going to love him as much as Pete Carroll did. I mean, didn't matter how many fumbles this guy had, Pete Carroll stuck by his boy, Chris Carson. I mean, I think all of these guys have potential if they land in the right spot. They all have certain you know, seasons or stretches where they were legit RB1s. Out of this tier, price included, the only one of these guys I've been drafting personally myself is Leonard Fournette. I like him as an RB4. I think he has the most pass catching upside. He's been a pass catcher for several seasons now. I don't know. I think that he has a good chance of being a dual threat running back who could see a lot of volume. He's still young. I think he's only 26 years old, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. So I, I do like Leonard Fournette quite a bit. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to Tampa Bay, to be honest. So I guess that's just my prediction for Leonard Fournette is that he's going to end up in a timeshare no matter where he goes because uh, I, I just think that teams know that he's not that great of a, of a running back, to be honest. So The man who owns a Lombardi Lenny shirt is is literally throwing <laughs> dirt on his grave. That's insane. I can't believe it. Hey, hey, I don't own the shirt. <laughs> 
the only sure I had to uh, refund it because they were taking a month to to send it wow. out to me. So that's insane. Well, it wasn't worth it. So I kind of have no allegiance to Lombardi Lenny anymore. Mm. That's crazy. All right. Well, you know, the flip side of these guys departing from their current situations is that they're leaving players behind. You know, Chris Carson is going to be leaving Rashad Penny and DJ Dallas. Kenny and Drake is leaving Chase Edmonds in Arizona. We've got Benny Snell and uh, Anthony McFarlane for the Steelers, Rojo and Keyshawn Vaughn in Tampa Bay. If Leonard Fournette leaves, do you have faith that any of these guys that we've named are going to be able to assume starting roles? Are you buying into any of these guys as potential buys right now as, as people haven't really quite come around to the idea of them having expanded roles in 2021? I'll I'll say this. Th- this might be a hot take. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I think Chase Edmonds is probably the biggest value in drafts right now in wow. all of fantasy football. Ooh. I think that Chase Edmonds can be the starter. I think he has enough talent to be a very capable starting running back in the NFL. He's shown over the last couple of seasons that he has pass catching ability. So if we get Chase Edmonds in a Kyler Murray led offense with no Kenyon Drake and say they just sign a middle of the road backup to spell Chase Edmonds here and there, Chase Edmonds is is a clear cut value right now going in what the 10th ninth round if the situation ends up working out in chase Edmonds favor where they stay true to their word and keep him as the workhorse i know i know that there's been some reports saying that he could be capable of being the workhorse running back in arizona this dude's value is going to skyrocket his adp is going to skyrocket let's say in five months from now if they don't draft a running back and if they just sign a middle of the road running back where do you think his adp is going to be if i had to take a guess third round oh you think so third round chase Edmonds. Kenyon drake was getting drafted at the end of the first round last year and it was one of the worst picks we could have made but we were on it we were on it but but we got burned what what we didn't realize is that kyler murray was going to get 11 rushing touchdowns and i think that looking a little bit ahead to the show you know what do i think the worst running back landing spot is for a running back i think it's arizona because the way that they utilize Kyler inside, you know, in scoring position is not going to change. And we saw the same thing happen with Josh Allen over the last couple of years. It doesn't matter if these running backs are getting usage because they're so unlikely to score the rushing touchdowns. And I think that Chase Edmonds would be a bust if he's going in the third round. I personally don't want him at his current ADP, 91.6 on drafters. I'm I'm on the complete opposite uh, stance as you on this one. I, I don't want anything to do with an Arizona running back as long as Kyler's there. No, nah, I think that's just bias from last year. Do I think Kyler Murray scores 11 rushing touchdowns again? No, I don't. Does he score less than eight? I, I don't know. Maybe. Mm. I don't think he's scoring more than 11. And then if Chase Edmonds is a sole running back in Arizona with no timeshare in a offense that is expected to score a lot of points, I don't see how he's a bad pick in the ninth round right now. That's, That's kind of blasphemous to say nah. that to say that he's a bad pick in the ninth round. Because where are you going to get a player of Chase Edmonds' caliber in the ninth round right now? Leonard Fournette, no. Melvin Gordon, no. Well, to be fair, it's actually more like the end of the seventh, eighth round, right? Round pick ninety one, if I, if I'm not mistaken. But no, I I hear you on that. I just think that if we're in a situation where it's really Chase Edmonds and Eno Benjamin is like the only two guys there. 
I don't know, man. I'm not paying a third round third round price tag for Chase Edmonds if it gets up to that point. Even a fourth round would be too much. If if this is the range he sits in, I agree with you. But I, I don't see it. I think he's either going to skyrocket or some, they're going to add somebody, and then I'm not touching him at the at that point. I, I just think he has the potential to be the starter in Arizona, and then I would just buy into the offense and uh, the environment for Chase Edmonds. I know he could get vultured. But it, uh, it could also work the other way where he scores all of the rushing touchdowns. They do run a lot of options down at the goal line. Obviously, could hurt his stock a, a lot if he ends up skyrocketing to the third, fourth round. Which, my in my educated opinion, I think he will end up going near the fourth, third round when it's all said and done. Five, mm-hmm. six months from now. That's that's definitely fair, and, and I could see that happening. Out of this group of guys, the one that I found myself drafting recently is Keyshawn Vaughn with sort of a final round type of pick or, or in the deep rounds of the draft, you know, 15th, 16th, 17th round when you need a running back five. I like Keyshawn Vaughn's upside. He was supposed to be a pass catcher, got outproduced by Leonard Fournette, and if this backfield looks like Rojo, Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, it's not going to be Rojo catching passes. It never has been, and Tom Brady always utilizes that skill set. So, you know, maybe Vaughn with a little more uh, time to prep, less COVID stress this this upcoming season, maybe he can sort of have a, a bounce back sophomore season. Yeah, I don't mind Keyshawn Vaughn. He looked all right in the opportunities that he got in 2020. And if you can take him with your last pick, I, I think that's fine. I think Rojo is the early down grinder, though. You know, you're kind of just hoping that they don't bring another running back in, which they chose to do uh, for 2020 and then you're kind of hoping that Leonard Fournette doesn't sign back so I think a lot has to go right for Keyshawn Vaughn to have some value but in the 20th round like you're just taking a shot on him so obviously it's fine it's a pretty solid pick in my opinion especially when he's going over 100 picks later than Rojo I mean just in terms of value that's that's what it's really about for me yeah for sure and then just touching on the other guys in Pittsburgh I mean I'm not drafting Benny Snell I'm not drafting Anthony McFarlane they're so trash they're barely NFL caliber players I think they will make a move to bring in a running back or they will end up drafting a running back so I'm staying away from those guys if we just take a look at Seattle they have Rashad Penny I know that's your boy we've had discussions about him on this uh, very podcast so I kind of just don't want to get into it right now Uh, I think if they go with him as their RB1 he will have some value I don't know exactly where he's going if you just want to chime in 120 127 in ADP so we're talking 11th round there 11th round yeah I think that's fine for him I think the upside is there for Rashad Penny especially if Chris Carson leaves which it's looking like he will not be in Seattle next year so don't mind him DJ Dallas he's not a factor for me he's trash he shouldn't even be in the (laughs) NFL he is terrible like he he's awful yeah you you could tag him in this clip to be honest but he wow. sucks. Uh, so it would be the Rashad Penny show. And that that would be interesting to see. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. But as an 11th round pick in March, I, I think the value is there with Rashad Penny. So I don't, I don't like the 11th round price tag. And yeah, I have been a Rashad Penny truther in the past. But 
Personally, I think that if he was going to do it, he might have done it by now. I know he has the first round draft capital, but still, I think that there's a pretty good chance that Seattle brings somebody in as well. So in the 11th round, I'm not too high on Penny, and I agree with everything else you said. No Snell, no McFarlane, no Dallas. Penny did go in the 15th round in our draft, though, so you could get him rounds later. Well, if he's going there, drafts. then we're that's a different yeah, that's a different story for me. Yeah. So taking a look at this last crop of running backs, I don't know. Do you have any interest in these guys? Mm. Philip Lindsay, Duke Johnson, Mark Ingram, Todd Gurley, Mike Davis, you know, any anybody mm, uh float nah, your boat? No shot. <laughs> no shot over here. I'd rather yeah. just take a shot on a wide receiver at those ADPs, to be honest. I think they'll mm. have more upside. Um, than drafting Duke Johnson or Mark Ingram. Yeah, definitely not drafting them. I think Philip Lindsay, maybe if he lands in the exact right situation, could have some value. Same thing with Mike Davis, but Mike Davis will never be in a situation as good as he was in last year, getting all those Teddy Bridgewater dump offs with no Christian McCaffrey. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that most of those guys are probably non-factors in fantasy going forward. What what team do you want to see these guys go to? What's the most desirable landing spot for an income? coming free agent to land in and then also give me the worst for me one of the uh, best landing spots let's let's just say Aaron Jones since he's the best running back I think the best fit for him uh, for a team that needs a running back let me just preface that for a team that needs a running back I would say Miami Mm. they have a great head coach I think they have a lot of great skill position players they have a young franchise quarterback well hopefully a franchise quarterback and Tua I don't think Miles Gaskin or Salvin Ahmed are the answers at running back so I think Miami for Aaron Jones is probably the best spot for him to go to and honestly I think the Jets are too the Jets are a team that is obviously rebuilding but he'll be able to go there and if we're just talking in terms of fantasy it it'll be the best landing spot for Aaron Jones there will be no competition for touches he'll immediately come in be the workhorse running back and he would get utilized more than he ever has in his career so for fantasy the Jets I think actual real life football and fantasy probably Miami for Aaron Jones I I don't know well, what, what's yours what's your best I think I think Miami is certainly in the conversation I think that you know, Atlanta could be interesting. You know, they're going to need, you know, they're not going to bring Gurley back. You know, they only have like what, like Ito Smith there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they could bring somebody in and give them a full workload, you know, a little bit of Aaron Jones in that offense would be fun to watch. And I agree with Miami, especially because we saw last year that they're willing to give their guy touches, you know, whether it was Gaskin or Salvin Ahmed, you Mm -hmm. know, they were giving them legit you know 25 touches per game type type stuff so i think that whoever lands there is going to be in a good spot like i referenced earlier i think that arizona is one of the worst spots because chase edmonds is talented he's going to get utilized and i I am legitimately worried about the way that they use kyler murray at the goal line i think he's going to get a lot of rushing touchdowns this year okay yeah i mean i could definitely see arizona being a bad spot i don't don't really know any terrible like absolutely terrible spots for uh one of these running backs to end up to um Detroit yeah I mean if we're just listing off teams that are just like terrible, I, I then, think I think yes. that the lion like the lions could bring somebody in and you know like a Philip Lindsay type and they're just gonna get you know 150 carries and lose all the catches to DeAndre Swift and then that tanks DeAndre Swift's value and you know, so on and so forth. I think the Lions are a god-awful landing spot for any running back, and I think they're going to bring someone in. They're probably going to bring Adrian Peterson back. 
What you talking about? Nah, come on, <laughs> come on, bro. AP, if they do that, that's crazy. AP if they look at the the, uh, the <laughs> they look at the list of available free agents and decide he's their best option, they need to fire the GM immediately. A couple <laughs> months into his tenure. Yeah, I mean Detroit is clear cut the worst landing spot for like pretty much any player right now so well let's shift over to a little bit of wide receiver conversation here and we can stay in Detroit uh, you know a team who opted not to franchise tag Kenny Galladay you know my take on Kenny Galladay is that he's a stone alpha automatic wide receiver one you know in 85 percent of the NFL teams out there wherever he goes I have a hard time believing that his ADP is going to stay as suppressed as it has I think that people have been under the impression Galladay would stay in Detroit and they didn't want to be part of that Jared Goff terrible team situation you know going at 52.5 I think that's a stone value for a guy who was going you know at the two three turn last year I, I love Kenny Galladay upside and i think that within you know seven eight days from now uh his adp is going to be quite a bit higher yeah i definitely agree with that take i i think there are a couple landing spots that could hurt his fantasy value but i think no matter where he goes uh he's still going to be one of the better wide receivers in the nfl and have some pretty solid fantasy upside i just want to throw out i i think one spot that he could go to that could hurt his value potentially hate to say it but new england with no quarterback, um, mm-hmm. I would be hype if the Patriots snag Kenny Galladay, but I don't think he would be a good fantasy option in 2021 in New England with their current quarterback situation. So it hurts me to say that, but that that's yeah. one spot for fantasy that I wouldn't want to see him go to. And then I think another one would also be if he opts to sign back with Detroit. I know he he's had some quotes, I think, where he said he, he wants to play in Detroit. If I'm not mistaken, that is that's true. Yes, correct. But also, I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, think he's gonna gone. Happen. Yeah. yeah, I think he's gone 100. Yeah. They I, would have franchise tagged him, and I don't think they're gonna give him a long term deal. I think they know that they're in a deep, deep rebuild right now, and uh, I don't think any Galladay is part of their plans. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So I think he's gone, but he is a wide receiver one, basically to any team that he that he goes to besides maybe like three or four Mm -hmm. yeah love is upside especially if we're talking an adp around pick you know 52 in the fifth round that's uh, i i just absolutely love that you know while we're talking about stone alphas juju smith schuster how do you feel about it well i don't think alpha and juju have ever been in the same sentence so that that's a first and What what do you mean and i think i have a pretty good grasp on NFL players and their mentalities and who they are as a person, even though, you Mm. know, I'll probably never meet the kid. Uh, I'll probably never meet Juju, never talk to him. But from what I've seen on the field, what I've seen on TikTok, this man is a stone bitch. He's a stone (laughs) beta. This man, Corvette, Corvette dances for fun. You know, you've got to have a vagina to do that, first of all. (laughs) Like, because ain't no man with with a penis is doing that so so that's number one number two <laughs> i can't even oh my all God. right wait 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 let me let me come to juju's defense for a minute i don't know if you saw this i don't know if you follow him on tiktok he played tug of war with a lion would you do that i don't think so i don't think you would Lion had the the freaking rope in his mouth pulling Juju. He's like pulling him closer. Yeah, 
But didn't you say there were there was a little barrier in between them? Yeah, there was a, a huge barrier, All like right. a full chain link fence. That that line wasn't going to get the best of Juju. <laughs> All right, then. So <laughs> that that kind of diminishes that a little bit. But either way, just talking about fantasy, <laughs> I mean, you know, no matter how I feel about Juju as a as a person and his mentality, he's a solid wide receiver in the NFL. I think there are some great landing spots for him. I, I'm not too sure on what teams are in the running for him. But if he goes to a pass-heavy team um, as a slot wide receiver, he'll he'll have some value in fantasy. And I, I think that he's a solid pick right now. I don't think he'll ever have a year as good as his rookie year. His, his sophomore season. Or his sophomore season, excuse me. 111 catches, 1,426 yards, and seven touchdowns. And he did it at age 22. I, I mean... This kid's only 24 years old. This dude has the potential, I think, to be an elite wide receiver in the NFL. We've already seen a ceiling from him that most wide receivers never touch in their career. He's still super young. Yeah, maybe he's a beta. Maybe he's immature. But I think if he goes to the right spot, he could have you know a phenomenal year. I, did, I just don't know what the right spot is for Juju because I do think that the Steelers are one of the best spots for Juju. And he's not going back, I don't think. So we'll we'll have to wait and see where he goes. Russell Wilson goes to the Bears. They sign Juju, Allen Robinson, and Juju. I mean, that'd be that. that'd be elite. That would be that would be something crazy. I guess we'll have to see. Let's talk about another wide receiver. Actually, you know, just before we started recording, news broke that the Bills, I, I think, surprisingly released John Brown. I wasn't expecting that, although I guess uh, some Bills fans were already prepared for this news. Do you think the impact is high? I mean, obviously, Stefan Diggs is going, you know, one, two turn. He's solidified as an elite asset at this point in the Bills offense. But does this free things up for, say, Cole Beasley or Gabriel Davis, especially who, you know, Gabriel Davis is going in the 13th round? Yeah, I think Gabriel Davis clearly gets the biggest boost uh, Mm -hmm. because Cole Beasley is their slot wide receiver. And John Brown was their second outside wide receiver. So we're going to assume that Gabriel Davis is going to step into that wide receiver two role on the outside. And he showed flashes. I mean, shout out to to Gabe Davis for getting those two catches for 100 yards the one week we played him in DFS. Um, In cash? Yeah. Yeah, just absolutely incredible. So Purest run out ever. So I always appreciate Gabe Davis uh, because he won me me money a good amount in his rookie Mm -hmm. year. So he's going to get more playing time, and I I think he'll be a valuable uh, fantasy asset in that Bills offense as the wide receiver too, unless they draft somebody. Yeah, um, I think that that is definitely true. They're apparently heavily targeting a tight end, so there could be another, you know, pass catcher. You know, say they land Hunter Henry or Jonu Smith or Trey Burton or something like that. Then maybe, um, you know, targets get spread a little more. But I'm expecting this to once again be one of the past heaviest teams in the NFL. It worked for them last year, and I think they're going to run it back. So mm-hmm. I think there will be enough volume. I I would buy Diggs at his price at the you know end of the first top of the second i'll buy beasley you know in in the mid rounds and i'll buy davis if he you know holds at his value too i'm buying every bill's asset i can yep i definitely agree somebody i'm not buying will (laughs) fuller i'm gonna keep it real with you you know his adp right now 69.6 so we're looking at you know a sixth seventh round pick and what it comes down to for me is that i'm just skeptical that he'll ever be in a better landing spot than where he was last year when he was Deshaun Watson's clear-cut wide receiver one. 
I think he'd be hard-pressed to be in a spot as good as where he spent most of his career being the wide receiver two behind DeAndre Hopkins in a Deshaun Watson-led offense. I think no matter where he goes, it's going to be hard for him to be as as in as good of a spot. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely in the nut spot in 2020 on a terrible team's offense with the second-best quarterback in the NFL or third-best quarterback in the NFL as the wide receiver one. Definitely a nut situation that I don't think will be replicated in 2021, but I do think he still has a chance to be a team's wide receiver one, just with a quarterback that isn't as good as Deshaun Watson. Let's say if the Patriots sign him, he's their automatic wide receiver one. If he goes to the Jets, he's their wide receiver one. Um, mm. well, let's say the Eagles, if they opt to, to try and sign Will Fuller, he's their wide receiver one. So I think there's a lot of situations where he is the, the clear-cut wide receiver one, and I think he's capable and talented enough to be a team's wide receiver one. It's just the quarterback downgrade and the team environment downgrade in terms of fantasy and the Texans being down you know pretty much in every single game Mm -hmm. that's obviously going to hurt Will Fuller's stock we're talking in terms of ADP I I kind of agree with you that I'm staying away from him at his ADP unless it drops a little bit maybe like a, a round or two then I would start drafting him but as of right now I'm on the same page with you staying away from Will Fuller in best ball. You really think, you know, he goes to the Jets that he just replaces Denzel Mims? Yes. You think he goes to, you know, the Patriots, he just replaces Demir Bird? (laughs) (laughs) Can you... I just want one request. What? Stop mentioning Demir Bird on this podcast. That man Why? is a stone scrub. Okay? We're talking about free agents. This man had the second most snaps of every free oh, agent wide receiver in this class. Big snap guy. Big, oh, I, s- big snap guy. Being you on mean, the field's not important? <laughs> you mean being on a team that was fielding an offense that couldn't beat the Gates Chai Lai varsity football <laughs> team? <laughs> Bruh. All I'm going to say, and I'm going to leave it at this, and then I won't bring him up for a while, at least until he signs with somebody next week for our next podcast. (laughs) This man has a 99th percentile speed score. He has a 97th percentile burst score. He's an athletic phenom. It's not not his fault that he's spent, what, four of his five years in the NFL with Cam Newton throwing him the ball. (laughs) All right? Okay. 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 (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. Let's move on. There's sort of a second tier of wide receivers, I think, and this might be like a second and third tier sort of mixed together, but you know, just a bunch of guys who are going to be on the move. I'm going to read these names and you let me know who stands out to you in this group. Curtis Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders, cut by the Saints today, T.Y. Hilton, Corey Davis, Marvin Jones, Sammy Watkins, Golden Tate, A.J. Green, Antonio Brown, Nelson Aguilar. Or are you interested in any of these guys in an uncertain sort of situation before we know where they go? Eh, not really. I mean, I'm interested in Curtis Samuel because obviously he's young. He's talented. I, I think he's going to go to a situation where he's going to be utilized more than he was in Carolina. So I don't mind Curtis Samuel. Other than that, I'm probably staying away from all of these wide receivers besides Corey Davis. I think Corey mm. Davis fantasy upside will increase dramatically getting out of Tennessee and you know from a run first team unless he goes to like the Ravens uh, that would be terrible 
uh, for right. his for his fantasy upside. I, I I think Davis is the one too. That's the one that stands out to me. He's young. He's 26 years old. I don't blame him for being held down by Marcus Mariota for many years, and you know just being a young player in a run first team. I think that he could find himself in a phenomenal situation depending on where he goes. Um, mm-hmm. you know potentially a wide receiver one if he goes to the exact right situation. Yeah, I mean I'm on board with Corey Davis, but I think a lot of his value does depend on where he chooses to sign yep do you have any deep sleepers at wide receiver somebody that you could see their value just absolutely skyrocketing if they go to the right spot yeah i mean one guy that we didn't mention that is a free agent that could fit the criteria is brashad perryman he's been solid over the last two years and he's also a burner just like your son demir bird Mm -hmm. um you know, he was on a terrible Jets team, so obviously I don't really fault him for for not producing. And if he goes to the right situation and, you know, puts it all together, I think this is a, this is a player that is capable of providing some big games that you could use in best ball. And I don't know exactly where he's going. He's probably not even being drafted, right? Like Perryman? Yes, he's is he being drafted? He's like a, you know, we're talking 18th, 19th round type yeah. of joint. Yeah, so if you can get him in the 18th round, 19th round, take a shot on him. I like him a lot. I just think he, I think he does have some sneaky upside if he goes to the right team that utilizes his specific skill set. Yeah, I, I agree with that take. I, I suppose. I mean, he had a good situation last year where he was kind of like you know a straight up wide receiver one for his team. I mean, maybe not in targets behind Crowder, but. He definitely was ahead of Denzel Mims playing on the outside. It's just, you know, Adam Gase, Sam Darnold. So he could definitely find an improvement in that way. He hasn't showed too much uh, to the start of his career, but, you know, he's been in bad situations, like you said. Another guy who I think has been in just terrible situations for the majority of his career is John Ross, who, you know, has the NFL record for fastest 40 time at the Combine. He's not even being drafted. He has an ADP of zero, a.k.a. nobody's (laughs) drafted this man in any best ball leagues on drafters and you know when you think about it he basically had Andy Dalton and then AJ McCarron for just some really grueling gruesome years of the Bengals he was always behind AJ Green always behind Tyler Boyd in that situation he's a he's a burner we know that he has to stay healthy and he has to land in a good situation but I think there is some upside there as a 20th round pick you know, finally they get Joe Burrow, but then they hit on T Higgins, who looks like the absolute real deal. And John Riles, once again, gets pushed out of the picture. So I don't know. I, I think that there's some some upside if he goes to the exact right spot. Yeah, I like John Ross, too. Um, and like you said, he's not even being drafted. I wouldn't mind taking a shot on him in the in the 20th round. I think he does still have some potential in the NFL, like you mentioned, in a terrible situation with not so great quarterback play. Coached by Marvin Lewis, who is terrible. I mean, you, you got to put some blame on the player. Uh, For sure. You got to put some blame. But I think a lot of it is due to factors that he really couldn't control. I know he's been injured too, but he is definitely a guy that you could take a shot on as a deep, deep sleeper in the 20th round. Wasn't drafted in our draft. Neither was Brashad Perryman. So, like, imagine if he goes to like the Chargers 
Yeah, that that would be a perfect mm. landing spot for John Ross. Mm, yeah, exactly. There, there's some sneaky great landing spots out there. And uh, we'll talk about all that stuff on next week's episode. Before we get out of here, though, we got to hit on a couple of these tight ends. We can keep it short. This pot is going a bit long and this market isn't super interesting but we do have a couple of guys on the on on the move i guess the big one is hunter henry so it's a two-part question do you think that hunter henry is going to be able to put it together do you trust him without knowing what the quarterback situation is going to be and do you think that donald parham xfl legend is legitimately going to be the guy in la yeah i mean i think hunter henry is one of the better tight ends in the nfl and you know he's been a top 12 tight end for the last two seasons so i'm not too concerned with him and i I think i think he has a shot to uh, go to a team that will utilize him let's say he goes to buffalo God, he's he's going to be a top six tight end. Yep. Um, so love Hunter Henry drafted him in our draft, and then his uh, successor Donald Parham, I think is is a is a great pick in best ball. I took him with the last pick in the twentieth round, um, and and I think that's going to work out. To be honest, I think I'm going to get Hunter Henry on a new team and Donald Parham as the tight end one in L.A. And obviously, he's linked to Justin Herbert, who had a phenomenal year. So I think the sky's the limit for Donald Parham. He, he's a very freakish athlete, talented guy. Could easily be a tight end one next year. And if you can get him in the 20th round in March, like that, that's a stone value. Yeah, he's one of my favorite late round picks as a tight end three. I think there's a ton of upside with Justin Herbert. Like you said, you know, he's 6'8", 237, massive target in the red zone and attached to a phenomenal young quarterback with vacancy in front of him, left behind by Hunter Henry. Parham is one of my favorite sleeper tight ends by far and it's not just because we're biased because we you know we fucked with the xfl that's <laughs> yeah. that's not why yeah no definitely not you know you mentioned it but you know the the bills are are chasing after these tight ends i think whoever goes there is going to get a huge boost whether it's you know gerald everett who i think his his impact of leaving la is going to be pretty impactful i think that could be a big increase for tyler higby you know we have trey burton and mo alley cox both set mm-hmm. to leave Indy, which could set up for a big Jack Doyle explosion. Jonu Smith didn't get franchise tagged. He could be on the move. I think whoever goes to Buffalo shoots up the rankings. But, you know, in terms of some of these other guys, is anybody interesting to you? Do you think that there's some upside if they land in a good spot? Yeah, I think Jonu Smith and Gerald Everett have upside because I think they are talented uh, players in the NFL. They have the ability to catch the football, which is obviously important as a tight end. And I think they are kind of underrated run blockers too. So I like them. Not interested in Kyle Rudolph. Not interested in in Trey Burton or Mo Alley Cox. But with those guys leaving, that opens up targets for the tight ends that are on the rosters already uh, for those specific teams like Irv Smith, Tyler Higbee, Jack Doyle. So I'd be willing to buy into uh, some of those guys, but none of none of the free agents that are leaving. Yeah, and and I agree with that take. You know, Jared Cook, he's another one. These old guys like Cook, Rudolph, you know, I don't know. I'm good on that. I'll chase the young guys, even Gerald Everett, who's been in a split, but he's shown it. He's a good route runner, has good draft capital. He's an athletic guy. I like him. I like Higby a lot. Uh, with Stafford there and Everett likely departing. Irv Smith, he's already been one of the guys moving up because Rudolph was cut early. So we've seen his ADP shift dramatically already. He's settling in right now. Um, you know, is sort of a 
back end mid range tight end too. I'm willing to buy him there at that spot. Jack Doyle, I mean, he's getting up there in age, but could be, uh, uh, you know, uh, see a lot of targets with the departure of those other tight ends. T. Y. Hilton potentially gone, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Carson Wentz, somebody who favors tight ends. So I think there's a little bit of upside there with Jack Doyle. Yeah, I think that's it. Have we touched on everything? That was a pretty, pretty yeah. extensive look at these free agents, uh, impending free agents. Yeah, I think we hit on mostly everything and, you know, a lot of good conversations. Absolutely. Before we get out of here, though, Joey, I, I need to touch base with you. We talked about it a little bit on our return podcast last week. You know, you're journeying through the MCU, you know, never been mm-hmm. a Marvel guy before. You haven't watched any of the movies until recently. You're watching them now in chronological order based on, you know, their place in the timeline, you know, not watching Iron Man first because it came out in 2008, you know, watching, you know, the first Captain America because it takes place in the 20s first and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So how far into the series are you? How many movies have you seen? Where are we at? Yeah, so I just finished Iron Man 3. So I think that puts me about like 10 movies in, maybe 11. I don't know. I'm not really keeping track of how many movies I've watched. But, you know, I'm going at a solid pace, pretty much a movie per night. I'm watching them late at night, and it's going good. I mean, the movies are obviously great movies. They're produced fantastically. Iron Man, great, great series. Although Iron Man 3 is kind of trash, not going to lie. Uh, (laughs) It's regarded as one of the worst of the series. Yeah, so it's going good. Um, I will say chronological order is 100% better uh, just because (laughs) you get the full timeline. You don't need to watch them when they were released. You need to know what happens in order of how they happen. You feel me? Um, Right. So not not mad that I did that. Um, Pretty good. Next movie that is on the dock is the second Captain America. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. All right. See, you're you're getting into the good stuff now. I'm really excited. I mean, Iron Man classic, first Avengers classic, you know, the original Iron Man and Thor and Captain America. I'm not bullish on any of those movies. They're more just like setup movies. I yeah, think that yeah. all of all I think all three of those get better uh the later in the franchise that you get so i mean you're you're headed towards the gold i'm very excited for you it's gonna be lit so favorite movie so far out of the ones you've seen uh i mean my favorite is probably the avengers but let's say we're taking away the avengers out i mean that's hard um probably maybe thor or the or the first iron man either Mm. iron man or the or the or the first thor I think it's okay. my favorite. I'll accept those answers, especially Iron Man. Don't don't yeah, classic. I, yeah, the first Iron Man is a classic. It's a great movie. So that's probably my favorite. Thor is a close second. All right. I, I like the Marvel update. But that is going to be it for episode 131 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters at Ben Hovern, at Joey Carrion DFS. Subscribe on YouTube. Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and every other podcast platform on the internet. We'll be back on Thursday, March 18th with episode 132. Check out our live streams every Monday on the YouTube channel, on the Twitter channel. If you're listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Let's stay accountable. Keep it authentic. Bye.